This is Redemption Radio with Pastor Cody King of Redemption Calvary in Commerce City, Colorado. Here's a preview from Pastor Cody of today's message. How amazing is the value of God placed upon you that He'd be willing to send Jesus to die in your place, to take your sin? How much does Jesus value you that He's he's willingly going to the cross Knowing the torture, knowing the sacrifice, knowing the pain, knowing the separation from the Father. And he says, I'll do it. I'll take it. Because that's how much I value you. It's amazing kind of a thing to understand. Despite all our sinful rebellion against God, he still holds incredible value on us. So much so that he sent his own son to die in our place. Today... Pastor Cody reminds us of the love of our Father, who gives us grace that we don't deserve. Jesus was willing to go to the cross for our sake. Even if no one else in our life sees us as valuable, we can rest assured that our Creator, the God of the universe, values us. And because of His sacrifice, we can be redeemed to Him through faith in Jesus. Now, turn in your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 3 and join Pastor Cody for today's edition of Redemption Radio. If Jesus comes along and says, you know what? I'm going to wipe out your credit card debt. That brings you back to zero. That's great. That's amazing. Oh, I'm so thankful for that. A lot of you are thinking right now, I wish that would take place. That would be amazing. You know, no house payment, no car payment, no school debt, no credit cards. I'm back to zero. Yes, that would be so tremendous. But what if he also deposited $10 billion into your account? That is crazy, crazy grace. And that's the second half of justification. You see, justification is to not only bring you back to zero, but it's to declare you as just as righteous as Jesus is. That's mind-blowing. That's crazy. And in this idea of justification, it's a declaration of being righteous. It's not necessarily that you're actually made righteous, the the idea of justified. It's to be declared righteous. It's like if you had some sort of criminal thing on your record and the the judge said, we're going to expunge this from your record and remove it. That's the idea. It's to be declared righteous. It doesn't mean that you didn't do it in the past. It means that it's been removed. It's been, you're being declared righteous, being declared just as perfect as Jesus. So that's our first word. Our second word, notice it says there in verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption. Redemption. This is a big word, a big Bible word for us. And, you know, maybe you've heard it because it's in the name of our church or whatever. But it's one of those words that we, you know, we sort of are familiar with, but we tend to not really understand. Well, you know, redemption comes from this time and era where they would go to a place where they could purchase slaves. And so they would purchase people to work for them, or there would be people who were prisoners and they were stuck in prison. And you could, someone could pay for their freedom. You could purchase the freedom of the slave. You could purchase the freedom of the one that was stuck in in prison. And you would do that by paying the ransom for them. We think of ransom like somebody kidnaps somebody and, you know, demands a ransom. But this is a different idea of ransom, that they're paying the, the fee, they're paying the ransom to set that person free. That's the idea of of redemption. And so we have being justified through the redemption that's in Jesus Christ. Now notice this third word, whom God set forth as a 
propitiation. Now I'm going to bet that you've probably never said that word. <laughs> or if you have, it's been maybe once or twice when you stumbled across it and you went blah, 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 and just moved on as you were reading through your Bible. Propitiation is not really a word that we use in our you know, vocabulary. And so you know, it's kind of one of those, those crazy words that we don't really understand. Here's the idea behind propitiation. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going to tie these three words together and really help you understand what's happening here, but we got to define them first. This idea of propitiation is the idea of wrath that's appeased or satisfied through a sacrifice. It's that we've looked at how the, the, the world is condemned under the wrath of God, that God rightly should judge sin that his, his wrath should come down against all of our sinfulness. And, and yet, this idea of propitiation is to, to remove that wrath or to expiate it, or a way to say that is to satisfy that wrath through sacrifice. You see, these three words work together to paint a picture of what you must believe. When we're talking about faith, we're talking about faith in Jesus, and we're not talking about just general faith in Jesus, but what do I need to believe about Jesus in order to be declared as righteous before God? You see, the picture this paints is that your faith is in Jesus as his cross is the only way for you to be made right. The ransom of propitiation is paid on your behalf so that the freedom that redemption gives you is obtained and you have access to a new life in justification. That's what this is talking about. That Jesus, when he went to the cross, he paid the price for your sins so that you could be set free, that you could be ransomed from the debt that you owed, and that now you could be declared as just as good as he ever was. It's, it's an amazing, miraculous kind of a thing. Now notice what it says there. I want to point out a couple of other thoughts here in verse 24. Notice that this is freely given by his grace being justified freely by the grace of God. This is a a massive concept for us to get here. We have got to get the idea of freely. Now, this idea of being freely given doesn't mean that it's cheap. It doesn't mean that it's at no cost. It doesn't mean that it's at a discount or a bargain. That's not what freely means. Freely is, is the idea here that Jesus paid for me and it cost him everything. It doesn't cost me anything, but it cost him everything. This word freely is used elsewhere in the Bible. Jesus actually used it in John chapter 15, verse 25. It says this, this fulfills what was written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. Where Jesus says without cause there, that's the exact same word that's translated here freely, without cause. There's no reason. There's no purpose. It has to be free. There's no, there's no purpose that you've done to earn this is what that's saying. It has to be free because if it costs you anything, then it's no longer free. Now you've worked for it and now it makes the work of Jesus null and void. Why would Jesus go to the cross? Why would he suffer and die? Why would he sacrifice himself if there was a way for you to work to make yourself right? Isn't that the exact prayer Jesus had in the garden on the night that he was betrayed? He said, Father, if there's any other way, then take this cup from me. And yet he went to the cross. There was no other way. There's nothing for you to do. You can't earn this. You can't get it on your own. If there was a way, Jesus would have picked that way. And yet there wasn't. And so it's got to be freely 
freely given without cause. There's nothing you can do to grasp it or earn it. You see, free is the only way because we've already failed before we even knew there was a standard. Before you even knew there was a law. Before you even knew that you had done something wrong against God, you'd already failed. Any of you who have toddlers know that that's true. Those little sinners are always constantly doing the stuff that they know is wrong. And so, you, you know, before you can even teach them that they're violating the Lord and they're, they're sinning against their own soul and against the Lord, they're already in that spot of having sinned. Before we understand it, we have already violated. Now, notice it says, verse 25, that God set forth, that God, God set forth. I think this is a huge concept for us to grasp here as well, because, you know, some people have a weird idea about the way that this all went down. God the Father is this mean, you know, frowny face, like the Legos, you know, like have you ever seen the God Lego? He's like got a frowny face and a beard and he's mad all the time. It's like, that's the picture of God. He's mean and he's bad and he's in heaven like you are bad people. And then Jesus comes along and goes, no, God, don't kill them. I'll sacrifice myself for them. And, and you know, that, that'll appease you because you're so crazy. It's not that at all. Look, God set forth. Jesus has the propitiation. God the Father and God the Son, and in fact, I'll put in here, God the Holy Spirit were all in unison. The Trinity was in unison on this plan. This wasn't Jesus trying to figure out a way to appease the crazy guy and say, well, don't do it. You're just, you're going to lose your mind and wipe out all the people I love. No, this was God's plan together. They're in unison on this. It's the Father's idea. Why? Well, look at verse 26 to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You see, by doing this, by going this way, by going through the cross of Jesus, God retains his justice. He still executes the appropriate right, wrath, and hatred against sin that is necessary and yet is able to declare you and me as good, as free. You see, it allows him to retain his justice and simultaneously be the justifier because of the sacrifice of Jesus. See, God does this. And one of the things that's amazing about this is it displays how greatly he values you. Think about that for a moment. How amazing is the value of God placed upon you that he'd be willing to send Jesus to die in your place, to take your sin. How, how much does Jesus value you that he's, he's willingly going to the cross, knowing the torture, knowing the sacrifice, knowing the pain, knowing the separation from the Father, and he says, I'll do it. I'll take it because that's how much I value you. It's amazing kind of a thing to understand. You see, things, objects have value because of the value that a person places on them. My daughters, one of them had a blanket that she loved, you know, when she was little. I don't know, parents, if you've ever had this kind of a thing where this, whatever that object is, a, a bear, a, you know, a stuffed animal, this was a blanket for us, but it ruins your life because if that kid doesn't have it, 
You don't go anywhere. That kid doesn't sleep. They just lose their minds. They need it in order to survive. And for one of our girls, she had this blanket. She called it her Mimi. It was her Mimi and it was really soft on one side and she would rub it on her face and that's how she would go to sleep. And, you know, she, she absolutely needed it. I remember we lost it one time. We left it at someone's house or whatever. And we had to figure something out in order to get her a, uh, like a substitute Mimi so that we could have some sanity in our family. But the thing is, is that it was absolutely invaluable to her. Now to any one of us, it was just this gross tattered little blanket thing that you could gladly throw away at any moment. But to her, it was everything. And that's the same thing that's true for you and for me, that God looks at you in that kind of a way. Someone else might look at you and say, ah, oh, you're, you know, you're not worth it or you're, you're, you're just whatever, or they might treat you poorly like you're garbage, but God looks at you as treasure. God sees you as invaluable, that you're so valuable that he would pay the highest price for your soul. That's the amazing thing about God. David Guzik says it like this, stop trying to give God reasons to love you. The reasons are all in him. Just receive it. Just receive his love. You don't need, you don't need to give God a reason to love you. You don't need to prove yourself to him. You don't need to do anything for him. You don't have to, to try to build yourself up to earning the love of God. No, he's already, he's already given it to you. The reasons are all in him. Just receive it. God's a good dad who loves his kids because of how great he is, not because of how great they are. So just rest in his love for you. All right, let's look at this second piece together, verses 27 through 31. And just before you start freaking out, I've purposefully spent a lot more time on that front section, all right? There's a lot more in there, so we're gonna spend a little bit less time on this second part here. Faith in Jesus includes his people. Not only imparts his righteousness, but it includes his people. Verse 27, where's boasting then? It's excluded. By what law of works? No, by the law of faith. You see, the grace of God leaves no room for anyone to arrogantly declare their own earned righteousness. There's no room for it because you can't earn it. Nobody can. The best of us. Think, think of the best of, of human history apart from Jesus. The best of us cannot earn our standing with God, including the Jews who had his law. Right? Isn't that what it says there in verse 28? Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? No, not just the Jews. But it's not that the Jews are the only ones who have access to God because they have his law. And so that's what declares them as justified. No, the law was there to point them ahead to faith in Jesus. Because faith results in all boasting going to Jesus. That's what faith is. Jesus is amazing. Jesus is crazy awesome. His grace is unimaginably good. His love for me is so deep that I can't even grasp the depths of it, that, that he's willing to sacrifice himself for me. There's nothing I can do to diminish his love. There's nothing I can do to make his love greater. It, it is all wrapped up in him. All boasting goes to Jesus. I can only boast in his great love and his great work for me. My works only get me judgment. They don't get me grace. I don't deserve it. I don't earn it. We've got to stop thinking about, well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I deserve or I don't deserve. Stop thinking that way. It's not about deserve. If you got what you deserved, you'd be in hell, but you're getting what you don't deserve. That's, that's what grace is. The very fact that you're drawing breath is grace from God. 
the fact that anything good in your life has happened at all is grace from God. The fact that you can walk outside and feel the sun on your face is grace from God. He has so much grace for you, so much love for you. Again, another quote out of Norman C. Bartlett, right in Romans on page 52, he says this, dependence on works is rejection of grace and subjection to sin. I love the way he says that. I, I have to, I have to accept grace and reject works. Look at verse 28. Therefore, this is a, a transition to say that faith is greater than works to the degree that Jesus works are greater than yours. That's how this works. That Jesus' works are infinitely greater than yours. And when we talk about Jesus' works, it's his sinless life, his sacrificial death, and his miraculous resurrection. It's infinitely greater than anything that you could do. It's not even comparable. And so faith is the key. The truth is that everybody exercises faith, but faith is only as good as the object it's placed in. You can put faith in whatever you'd like, but your faith is only good as the object it's placed in. Misplaced faith produces misplaced hope. Now, you have three choices to make with your faith because you have some. God has given to each one of us a measure or a piece of faith. Romans 12, we'll get there sometime in the next year or two. But you know, Romans 12, everyone's been given a measure of faith. You have some, you have some faith and you have a choice as to what you're gonna do with that faith. The first choice you have is to say, there's no God. There's no such thing as God and none of this really matters. That is an exercise of faith. I would submit to you, it's a foolish exercise of faith, but it's, it's, an, it's a measure, it's an act of, it's an exercise of faith. Another one that a lot of people place their faith in is that, well, I'm going to, I'm going to put my faith in my good works outweighing my bad works. You know, I'm going to just work really hard. I'm going to do really good. And at the end of the day, I'm going to tip the scales and everything's going to be really good. I'm just going to be a really great religious guy, which is exactly what the Jewish people were relying on and what Paul previously obliterated. Or the, the thing that I, I would say, put your faith here. This is the place to put, to put your faith is that Jesus has sacrificed himself to purchase your salvation. That's where faith is rightly placed, is in Jesus that way. The question is not, do you believe, but what do you believe? You believe something. Your faith is in something. Your faith is somewhere. There's no question about that. You believe it. But the question is, where is your faith placed? Ravi Zacharias says it like this. We have a right to believe whatever we want, but not everything we believe is right. Brilliantly stated. Verse 29 and 30 says this, or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there's one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. You see, there's only one God and only one means of being made right with him. And so it logically follows that he's the God of all people, not just some people. And so when we talk about this idea here that faith in Jesus includes his people, this is to say that all people have the opportunity to become his people. He made all of us, no matter where we are on the planet, no matter how much, mel mel what is it, melatonin, whatever's in your skin that makes it not as bright and shiny as this. I, I'm so, I'm so white, I'm almost clear. It's terrible. <laughs> the sun hates me. It turns me bright red. I go from really white to really red back to really white. It's absolutely terrible. And so, you know, it doesn't matter how much of that you've got in your skin. It doesn't matter what your upbringing is. It doesn't matter, you know, where you live on the planet. It doesn't matter what religious system is around you. God is your only God. 
There aren't any other gods. Those other gods don't exist. They're all figments of the imagination. They're all make-believe kinds of things. There's only one God. And if there is only one God, then it follows that he's the God of all people. Whether or not we recognize it is what causes us to be in his family or not. But he still remains as the only God. If there was only a, you know, if this was just the Jewish God, then that would reduce God to being just this local deity of those people over there and nothing different than, you know, just a superstitious legend or a false idol. But the God of the Bible is the God over all humanity. You see, the sacrifice of Jesus wasn't limited to just being for the Jews, nor is it just limited to those who would believe, but Jesus died for all people for all time to pay for all sin so that anyone would be welcome if they would just humble themselves and abandon their sinfulness and repent and come to him. As the God of all people, his provision is the same for all of mankind, no matter our race, heritage, lineage, no matter what it is, it's all just through faith. Here's the way this section ends, verse 31. Do we make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. You see, the way of salvation coming to humanity by grace through faith has always been God's plan. We don't make null the law of God in the Old Testament through faith, but it's actually a natural outflow of rightly understanding the Old Testament. The only way to rightly interpret and understand the Old Testament is through Jesus. If we don't understand it that way, then it's a religious system whereby we work our way up to God. But that was never the intention. Here's how Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. The whole point of the Old Testament is to point us to Jesus and to his sacrifice for us. So faith in Jesus is the only right and valid way to interpret and apply the Old Testament. Faith validates and establishes God's law. It's always right. It's always the way that it was. And so that's what he says there. We don't, we don't make void the law. We establish the law through our faith. My inability to keep the law doesn't make the law bad. It makes me bad. It points me to my desperate need for Jesus. We'll conclude with this thought. It's like you're walking along in the forest. And as you're walking along, you all of a sudden tumble your way down into this massive 20-foot pit. And as you look up, the sides of the, the pit are sheer. They're, they're vertical straight up and down. There's no way to climb out. There's nothing to, to put under you to climb out. There's no roots to grab onto. And you're just wondering, now I'm stuck. I'm all alone out in the middle of the, of the wilderness. Nobody can hear me. And, and even if I was to yell until my voice gave out, no one would know. No one would hear me. But now, right? Verse 21. But now you see a rope fall down in front of you. And at the other end is Jesus. Now, how ridiculous would it be for you to reject the rope and still try to climb and claw your way out? You would just, you would be rejecting your only means of, of your life being saved. The only way for you to, to get your way out of that terrible situation you find yourself in. The only thing to do, the only right thing to do, the only logical thing to do is take hold of the rope. Not so you can climb yourself out, but so that Jesus can pull you out by his great might, by his great power. You see, Jesus has done everything and faith is how you take hold of the rope. That's what it all comes down to. So will you do that? Is that where your hope is placed? Is that where your life is found? Is in the finished work of Jesus on your behalf? I pray that it is because that's the only way we're getting out of this pit that we find ourselves in. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you for the chance to study it, to open it, to look into it, and just the, the majestic beauty of what you've declared to us today. That, that we have been made right, declared righteous, declared as justified in your sight through the work of you, Lord Jesus. God, thank you. Thank you for your, your willingness to value us this way. Thank you for your willingness to send your only begotten son, Jesus. Thank you for being willing to go to the cross, to bear our punishment, to bear our sin, that we might, we might be declared righteous by you. And so we pray that you would help us to apprehend that reality and that you would transform our lives, make us more like you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Redemption Radio. Thanks for joining Pastor Cody King in this chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse study of the Book of Romans. We pray today's teaching has both inspired and challenged you in your faith. We also hope that you'll be eager to study God's Word on your own. If you'd like to listen to this message again or hear more from this Roman series, feel free to visit redemptioncalvary.org. Once you're there, just click on the Sermon tab at the top of the page. There, you'll find an archive of previous messages. Redemption Radio is a ministry of Redemption Calvary in Commerce City, Colorado. We're passionate about preaching and teaching God's Word with the utmost integrity. We meet together at 11 a.m. each Sunday. And if you're in or near the area, we'd love to have you join us. You can find all the information you need, including directions, at redemptioncalvary.org. Again, that's redemptioncalvary.org. If you're unable to meet with us in person, no worries. We live stream our services on Facebook and YouTube. If you have any questions about who we are or about today's teaching, don't hesitate to give us a call at 720-466-5358. Again, that number is 720-466-5358. Thanks for being a part of today's listening audience. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a single edition of Redemption Radio.